the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today we continue our study of Christ and His gifts. Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose, coming up next. To say that Jesus has left gifts to his church, well, that's an understatement. We are exploring those gifts as laid out for us by the Apostle Paul here in Romans chapter 12. This is part three of our mini-series, Christ and His Gifts. We're looking at Romans 12, verses 6 through 14 today. It's there that we catch up with Pastor Gary as we continue exploring these gifts and to what end they were given to us. Here's Pastor Gary with today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. As we turn now in verse 7 to the gifts of ministry and teaching, let's remind ourselves of the rule for properly understanding spiritual gifts. And that is, they are Christ's own life and the fullness of grace in his body. Spiritual gifts are Christ's own life and fullness in his body. In ascending and receiving and giving gifts unto men, it's not as if he simply says, oh, you would be a good ex, somehow developing latent personal potential. That is not, as that has nothing, I'm sorry, that is nothing but humanism with a little bit of Christian jargon. It is nothing but narcissism. It also tends to push faith into this ethereal realm that doesn't deal with something as concrete as our personalities. It is certainly true that the Lord makes use of some of what he knew he would make of us by his grace. But it's also true that as we see in the case of the apostles, that Christ's grace and gifts changed them fundamentally altered who they were. You tend to think that personality is fixed in your life. That, a, that is a paralyzing philosophy. It is better to say that the Lord Jesus uses how he made us. He uses the portion of it that he wills that furthers his purposes. He completely removes or fundamentally alters other parts of who we are. And sanctifies the whole man so that we are fit for the master's use. We see this in both Peter and Paul. He completely broke them down. Now, you will still recognize Peter and Paul, but in a very real sense, they and we must confess. It is no longer I who live. It is Christ who lives in me. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Behold, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. 
We grow in this newness all our lives because we grow up into the fullness of Christ our whole lives. And that's the reason, my friends, we must never cease calling upon Jesus. No one in this room has even touched the hem of his garment in terms of the fullness that is in him. So keep calling upon him. Keep being fed by his word so that throughout our lives we may grow. And even when we're old, we may be full of sap and be faithful until he harvests us and brings us to heaven, our home. I want to stress something with you as we continue looking at these gifts. In Ephesians 4, the Holy Spirit says very clearly in verse 8, Wherefore, when he ascended up on high, he, lead, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. And then down in verse 11, and he gives gifts to some. And who is he? It is, of course, Christ. These gifts are the Lord Jesus. This point is made so often so we won't miss it and that no place is given to our pride. Look in 1 Corinthians 12. This lesson is repeated to this particularly prideful congregation that is still nonetheless, with all of its immorality and weakness, called a true church of the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 12. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. And then he goes on to talk about gifts. But notice the phrase, the manifestation of the Spirit. The Spirit is the personal presence of the Lord Jesus Christ with us. That seal of our redemption. Jesus told his disciples on the night that he was betrayed, betrayed, the Spirit will take what is mine and show it to you. So that is what gifts are. They are the unfolding of Christ's fullness and of his life in us. So when we come to Romans 12, 6, having looked at the gifts of prophecy... Let's look at ministry or serving and teaching and exhorting this week and probably next. What is serving? This is how we need to think of serving. Jesus laying aside his outer garments, girding himself with a towel and washing his disciples' feet. The Lord Jesus is now, because he has suffered and obeyed unto death, exalted and extolled and very high. But he never stops serving his bride for a second. And he will have us carry about in our bodies, as Paul said, the dying of the Lord, of the cross. He said, I came not to be served, but to serve so that his life might be manifested in you and I. In other words, if we are to be the disciples of our Lord, we must be like him in humble humble and joyful serving. So, while the serving Savior is to be reflected in every one of us and some more than others, He obviously inflames the servant's heart and shares it. The deacon, which is the English form of the Greek word for service or ministry, diakonia, will certainly have this grace of serving. 
It's not that he does all the serving in the body, but he is called to be an example of service to others. He is called to organize and lead the body in its serving of itself and the world. He is not a glorified janitor or a custodian. His work should be highly esteemed, and we should encourage and pray for the deacons in our midst. 1 Timothy 3.13 says, For they that have used the office of deacon well purchase to themselves a good degree. And the idea there is honor for the word degree. And great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. The deacon certainly takes the lead in serving. But the idea is to stir up the body. The presence of Christ within the body. So that his love may be manifested throughout the body. Particularly so that the needs of the poor are provided for. Gospel ministers are provided for. And the body is equipped to send out gospel workers to other areas. There is certainly also a need for service in the broader world. Paul says in Galatians 6.10, As you have opportunity, do good to all men, especially those who are of the household of the faith. So a faithful body of Christ wants to give a cup of cold water in Jesus' name to the broader world. Now, we are very tempted to alter our conception of sonship. We want to be recognized. We want to have some worldly splendor. Let's have our vanity stroked. Let's do something to make ourselves known. But we forget our king came into Jerusalem riding on the back of a donkey. So our sonship is going to be like his in love and humility and service, even in the world. Think of the hundreds and thousands that he fed who would later crucify him. He knew who they were. Think of those who are in hell this moment, whom he healed, who felt the touch of the master's hand, but are still now in hell. Jesus did not limit his love and service simply to those who are closest to him, although they had the prominence of his heart, and so neither should we limit our service. Neither should we refuse to get our hands dirty, just as he got his hands dirty and bloody in serving and loving his enemies. So we should look. If we're going to be a faithful body for opportunities to minister, to give a cup of cold water. Deacons, let me encourage you to look for these things. Not to say, hey, we have done all these things, we can just go to sleep now. But real gospel love that alleviates the needs of the poor speaks for those who can't speak for themselves and shows the gospel power of love jesus said in john 13:34 by this all men will know you are my disciples by the love and what was the love it was serving dying giving helping feeding clothing the poor 
By this all men will know you are my disciples by the love that you show to one another. Well, how do we prepare to do this? Remember, each one of us is part of Christ. So each one of us, if we are in him and walking with him closely, we are sharing in a part of his life. And part of that life is serving. So the best way to prepare for what we would think of as the most grandiose schemes of loving out in the world is to make sure we are loving and serving and that the gift of love is flourishing within us and the body and the gift of service is flourishing because we are in Christ. It is not something we do on our own. It is not us feeling useful. There is way too much in the world today, particularly in the West, of really doing a lot of things to simply feel better about myself or to feel better about my children. Busyness is equated to being useful, and that's not necessarily the case. What we are looking for with this gift of service is the love of Christ manifested throughout the body. Now, the gift of teaching that he immediately mentions flows from the same living waters, our Lord Jesus Christ. He was a preacher, a prophet, a teacher. Christ, the wisdom of God, Christ, the power of God. He was the eternal word who became incarnate and preached the written word so much so that even his enemies were forced to admit no one ever spoke like he spoke. Now, the teaching gift is the ability to communicate God's word intelligently and in an edifying way so that the people of God can walk as the disciples of Christ. Back over again in Ephesians 4, the teaching gift is closely associated with the office of pastor. Ephesians 4, 11. And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors, and some teachers. These two offices now are not necessarily the same office. Not all teachers are called to be pastors, nor does someone who has the gift to clearly explain God's word in an edifying way necessarily have to hold an office. He may exercise this gift within the body under the oversight of its pastors and elders. The pastor will certainly have opportunities for proclamation, which may be more in line back in Romans 12, with the prophetic gifts. But he must also teach and exhort and encourage God's people in a clear and useful manner. Let me stress something else about a teacher. We all have one teacher who is Christ we are not permitted to seek enclaves of gurus whom we prefer we have one teacher and the only men we may listen to and this goes for me so you have to judge me those who have been taught by him not only so that they can explain words and sentences even though they are God's words and sentences but who actually live it because you can't teach what you don't know and you can't teach what you don't live 
And that is the problem with parachurch organizations with their lack of real, tangible, elder accountability. That is also the problem with guruism in the church. That's why the church is so concerned with men who say, whoa, they've got the paradigm I'm looking for over there. Whoa, they've got this and that. Yet, who are they who have the flesh hooks of the gospel firmly in their own heart and are watching these men? There is only one group of men that God, through his son, the head of the church, has given the authority to hold men accountable like that. And it's the elders, no one else. So you have to guard and watch. Now there are two pitfalls associated with this gift of teaching that are worth mentioning to you. The first is pride. Pride in those who possess this gift and those who are blessed under the ministry of the teacher of God's word. And the only way to safeguard against this is to recognize Matthew 23, 8. None of you be called rabbi or none of you be called teacher for one is your teacher, one is your master who is Christ and we are all brethren. So the manna we receive, we receive from him. So there is no room then for pride in the teacher or pride in those who are taught. For we, are, we all receive from his hand and no human teacher, however gifted, can ever begin to exhaust the unsearchable riches of Christ. And therefore, we are all learners. And we should do what the Apostle Paul did. Whatever Christ, wherever Christ is preached, we should rejoice. Why? Because this is his table. The food is his. Human teachers are simply waiters at the table. That's all they are. And apart from his blessings, neither the teacher nor the taught can receive nourishment. And the second pitfall, or perhaps the flip side of that, is a lack of humility. Paul said, hold those in honor who labor in the word and doctrine. Be sure to communicate with those who teach you. And yet there has always been a wild spirit in the church that says, hey, you know, I've got an idea. So I should be a teacher. The church, beloved, is the source of its teachers, and therefore it recognizes its teachers. It sees and hears Christ's own voice in them. We need to give honor to those to whom Christ gives us his word, but we need to be really careful that we don't put too much emphasis on the human vessel because men can't bear that kind of weight. They just can't. We have to receive from Christ. And that's why the Apostle Paul urged the congregations that he founded, particularly in Ephesians 6, pray for us that the word of God may have free course. Pray for us. We don't have any strength in ourselves. So each member has the responsibility to pray for God's blessing upon his word. We have no idea what God will do in our midst.
But if we would just commit to praying for his blessings upon preaching and the teaching of the word, I'm sure those blessings come. Because his word is not bound. However, he will sew up the basket of blessings if we are not praying, if we are, pray, if we are prideful, if we are not humbled by his goodness to us, and if we do not beg for the king to come into our midst by his spirit and proclaim his word to our hearts through a feeble man like me. Remember that the teaching gift is not intended to elevate any man but to elevate Christ's word in your midst. With several of these gifts, moving to verse 8, there's an added description given. For example, verse 8, the second gift. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence. But the first four gifts, beginning in verse 6, prophecy, ministry, teaching, exhorting, He just duplicates the word here, if you notice, which is probably a Hebrew idiom for those who are interested in that, but most likely here he is emphasizing, if this is your gift, do it, do it. If you're a prophet, prophesy. If you're a teacher, teach. You know, these gifts are more public, particularly the prophetic teaching gift and the teaching gift and somewhat the exhorting gift. They also may be more susceptible to pride and envy and other abuses. So if you have the gift of ministry or of teaching, don't think about anything else. Don't want anything else. That's just a waste of time. Trying to be like another person or another congregation is a waste of time. Jesus is the head of the church. And he assigns our place to us. We don't have a vote in it at all. So he says, if these are your gifts, if it is prophecy, just preach. If it is teaching, teach. Ministering, serve, then just serve. Don't worry about anything else. Don't focus on anything else. Because it will take our entire lives to learn how to use Christ's particular gifts well. How do we determine our place? I would say that everyone in the church here today has at least the one talent of worship, serving one another when the opportunity arises, fellowship and praying together. That is one gift in itself. Those together are the one talent each of us have as everyone has a responsibility to use that one talent, to fellowship together, to serve one another, to be where the word is preached, to love one another. And, and so as you use that one talent, then the Lord will make it clear what you are supposed to do or what your talent really is. I want to stress this. Even Paul, an apostle, where did he go at the end of every missionary journey? Where was he sent out of for every missionary journey? Oh, didn't Paul have a think tank incorporated? Didn't didn't he have such a thing that he was sent out from? No. He went back to Antioch. And what was Antioch to Paul? 
It was his home church. Because even as great a man as Paul was, an apostle, a foundation of the body of Christ, he realized the life of Christ is not in me. It is in this whole body. So this is where I have to be, he said. So the, church, even though, uh, so the church, even though he was an apostle, they ordained him and sent him out as an evangelist and as, an, and as a missionary. And that was true of an apostle, how much truer, and if that is true of an apostle, how much truer is that of you and I? That we have got to be involved in the local body. Well, this has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. As we have closed out our time together today, I would remind you that our desire is to know how this program encourages you in Christ. Now, there are a couple of three ways that you can contact us to provide us with this information. And again, it would really encourage us a great deal if you'd take a moment and let us know how the program is encouraging you in your walk and relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's how to contact us. Phone number is 408 408- Eight six six five six zero seven. That's four zero eight eight six six five six zero seven. Our website, where you can drop us an email and even learn a bit more about us, is reformedheritage.org. And then, of course, you can write to us at PMB. That stands for Post Mailbox Number four zero two fourteen eighty four Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California. The zip code is nine five zero three two. Now, there is another way you can contact us, and this would be the best of all, especially if you're not involved in a church at this time. Plan on visiting. Let us uh, fellowship face-to-face, as it were. We meet at Lone Hill Church, 2 in the afternoon on Sundays at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org, or by calling 408-866-5607. By the way, copies of the broadcast are just $5. Mention today's date when you contact us, and we'll get a CD out to you right away. Thank you for joining us today. Until next time, God bless. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.